Sometimes we can be taken aback by people's behavior. You may think it extremely inappropriate, especially when praise is heaped upon the individual, thinking that that praise certainly is inappropriate for that behavior. The Pharisees were very indignant, in fact, outraged, as the people were praising Jesus for being the Messiah during the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. In Matthew 21, 9, it reads, And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! When Jesus then entered into the temple area, he began to drive out the money changers, he overturned the tables, and began to teach the people. And again, there were shouts of Hosanna and praise to Jesus, Matthew 21, 15. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. They said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes. Have you never read? Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes, you have prepared praise. The temple leaders wanted Jesus to silence his followers because they were ascribing to him honor and glory as the Messiah. However, Jesus refused to silence his followers. So the Jewish temple leaders came to Jesus to confront him. Matthew 21, 23. And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you that authority? By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you that authority? Put into modern language, Jesus, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are for doing the things that you are doing and teaching the things that you are teaching? They then entered into a series of questions in order to trap Jesus into saying something that they could use against him either in their own religious courts or in the Roman courts, something in which they could find fault with Jesus. That plan fails miserably. Jesus is easily able to answer their questions and he confound them in doing so. So now Jesus asks a question to the Pharisees. Which brings us to our text, verse 41. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them a question. But the purpose of the question was not like the Pharisees' question to Jesus. He was not seeking to trap them or to test them. However, he was trying to get them to stop and think. It was meant to be revelatory in nature to think about the very question that they asked. Who is this Jesus? And where does this authority come from? 
The question is given to us in verse 42. What do you think about the Christ? Whose son is he? They answered the question without hesitation. It was a no-brainer. Verse 42, they said to him, the son of David. The idea that the Messiah would be of the lineage of the descent of David was a commonly and widely held belief among the Jewish people. The Old Testament was clear. The Christ, which is a Greek word for the Hebrew word Messiah, the Messiah was to come from the line of David. Just two verses. There are many. Behold, the days are coming, Jeremiah 23, 5, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as the king and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Isaiah 9, 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. The Messiah would be a descendant of David. In the New Testament, and even here in the book of Matthew, there is great stress that is laid on the lineage of Jesus and the fact that Jesus himself is a descendant of David. Matthew 1.1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Matthew 9.27, as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying aloud, have mercy on us, son of David. Matthew 15.22, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, have mercy upon me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. Matthew 20, verse 30. And behold, there were two blind men sitting on the roadside. When they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. They knew that he was a descendant of David. The crowds also understood that Jesus was claiming to be the Messiah. This one that was coming, this promised Savior and Deliverer. Matthew 12, 23. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the Son of David? Meaning the Messiah. We've already referred to Matthew 21, 9. The crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David, the Messiah. Blessed is he who comes in the name or authority of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Praise God for the Messiah. The Son of David is here. However, there's more to it than that. Jesus is going to demonstrate and emphasize that the Messiah is more than just the son of David. He is a descendant of David. But he's more than that. The Messiah is also the son of God. And Jesus asks a follow-up question 
one that was not so easily answered and one that was totally unexpected. Verse 43, And he said to them, How is it then that David in the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. So we want to look at Jesus demonstrating that that the Messiah is not simply the son of David, but also the son of God. And in order to see that, we need to unpack this question. So let's look at the question in verse 43. He said to them, how is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord? Jesus introduces a question based on Psalm 110. But before he quotes the psalm, Jesus lays a foundation, a foundation which the Pharisees would readily agree with. They'd have no argument. Jesus asserts that David is the author of Psalm 110. Notice verse 43. He said to them, how is it then that David, David said, he's going to quote from Psalm 110, the first verse of Psalm of." Psalm 110 says, a psalm of David. David wrote Psalm 110. Jesus further asserts that David's writing is inspired by the Holy Spirit. Notice verse 43. How is it then that David in the Spirit? In the Spirit. It's referring to the fact that when David says this, he is doing so by the Spirit of God. He is inspired. Psalm 110 says, is not just the words of David, but are the very words of God. David himself understood that he was writing scripture. David himself knew and claimed that when he spoke and wrote, he was speaking and writing the word of God. Listen to 2 Samuel 23, 1 and 2. Now these are the last words of David. The oracle of David, the son of Jesse, the oracle of the man who was raised on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. The spirit of the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. Can't get clearer than that. David said, the Lord speaks by me. His word is on my tongue. But now, Jesus himself asserts that David spoke and wrote the word of God, saying, in the spirit. This isn't the first time that Jesus refers to the Old Testament as being the inspired word of God. Just a couple of weeks ago, when Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees, we noted in verse 31 of chapter 2, 20, of 22. And as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read? And then these words, what was said to you by God? Have you not read what God said? Referring to the scriptures and the fact that they were God's word. Jesus further asserts that David speaks of the Messiah as David's Lord. Psalm 110, verse 
2243. He said to them, how is it then that David in the spirit calls him Lord? If the Messiah is David's son, how does he refer to him as my Lord? Now verse 44 is a quotation from Psalm 110. The Lord said to my Lord. Psalm 110 is the most quoted Old Testament passage in the New Testament. It is a foundational portion of God's word for informing theology. It is quoted in Matthew 26, 64, Acts 2, 34 to 35, 1 Corinthians 15, 25, Ephesians 1, 20, Colossians 3, 1, Hebrews 1, 3, Hebrews 1, 13, Hebrews 8, 1, and Hebrews 10, 12 to 13. It is crucial to the New Testament. And out of all the things that could be drawn from Psalm 110 that are drawn in these other passages, Jesus makes one single point with a number of application. The point is this. How could the Messiah be at one and the same time a descendant of David and David's Lord? How could that be? How could he be a descendant of David and yet be David's Lord? Matthew twenty-two forty-five. 45. If, David, if then David calls him Lord, how is he his son? How can that be? The psalm requires that the Messiah is more than simply the son of David. Psalm 110 teaches that the Messiah is a son of David, but more than that, he's also David's Lord. Jesus not only declares the view that the Messiah is merely the son of David is inadequate, but he insists that the Old Testament itself tells us it's inadequate. Jesus is not inventing something new. When Jesus is going to declare that the Messiah is the Son of God. This is not a new revelation. Jesus says it's in keeping with what the Old Testament taught. The book of Matthew has been stressing that Jesus is not only the son of David, but he's also the son of God. At Jesus' baptism, Matthew 3, 17, and behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. God the Father spoke audibly at the baptism of Jesus, declaring that Jesus is the Son of God. On the Mount of Transfiguration, when Peter, James, and John were gathered there with Jesus, a cloud overshadowed them. Matthew 17, 5. He was still speaking when, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. This is my beloved son. 
what Jesus does is synthesize the concept that the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the deliverer, the savior, the coming king would be at one and the same time a descendant of David and the Lord, the Son of God. And David referred to this one that was coming, the one that was coming from his line as being the Lord. In Matthew 22, verse 44, the Lord, that is Jehovah God, said to my, that is David, Lord, that is the Messiah, the Son of God, sit at my right hand. The book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 13, is proving the deity of Christ. Hebrews 1 begins by saying, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, who being the express image of his person. Jesus, the Son of God, the express image of his person, the one by whom all things were made. Jesus is God. And after going through Romans, excuse me, Hebrews 1, declaring that Jesus is God, the climax comes in verse 13. And which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Again, a quotation from Psalm 110, the very verse that we're looking at. The book of Hebrews says, this is the Son of God. Greater than the angels, greater than anyone, he is God. Jesus is addressing the question, by what authority does he have to say and do the things that he has done? They think that it is inappropriate for him to receive the praise of the Messiah. Jesus says to them, in essence, it is not inappropriate for me to receive praise as the Messiah, but you don't even get half the praise. It's not simply that I'm the son of David. I'm the son of God. And that is the authority by which I do and say these things. Jesus could have easily stopped there. That was the main point. He could have easily stopped with, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. But he goes on and says this, until I put your enemies under your feet. Jesus asserts more than the fact that the Messiah is the son of David. And even asserts more than the fact that the Messiah is the son of God. The passage also teaches 
that there will be a time when the enemies of the Messiah will be judged. Notice verse 44. The Lord said to my Lord, sit on my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Until I put your enemies under my feet. He's looking at the Pharisees at this very moment. They are opposing Jesus, and he is warning them. There is a day that you'll be placed under my feet. There is a day of reckoning coming. The Messiah will subdue his enemies. These Pharisees have gathered together to oppose Jesus. We are still on the Tuesday of Passion Week. We are, in our calendar, approaching Passion Week. Sunday begins with the triumphal entry. We've already looked at that. Sunday starts the triumphal entry. Tuesday are the events that we're describing this day. Wednesday is a day of silence. Thursday is the Passover meal, the Lord's Supper. We're going to celebrate that together on Monday, Thursday. Friday is the crucifixion. Saturday, Jesus is in the tomb. Sunday is resurrection day. Jesus comes forth bodily from the tomb. We are on Tuesday. And those Pharisees are plotting at this very moment to arrest Jesus. They are plotting to enter into an agreement with Judas to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. All of that happens on Tuesday. Jesus is standing before them knowing all this is taking place. They thinking that they have the upper hand. They thinking that they are going to finally, once and for all, deal with this Jesus and have him put to death. And Jesus says to them, knowing all these things are about to take place, my enemies are going to be put under my feet. Hebrews chapter 10. You don't need to turn there. Deals with this in detail. It says this, But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. Again, a quotation of this very verse. Jesus is going to die on the cross. He's going to be placed in a tomb. He's going to come forth bodily from the tomb. He's going to ascend on high. He's going to be seated at the right hand of God the Father, where he is now. One day, Jesus is going to come back bodily to this earth, and he's going to reign over this earth, fulfilling all the prophecies of Scripture. The Messiah, the Deliverer, will come. The man, the Son of God, 
Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ is not a name, it's a title. Messiah our Lord. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Paul, are you there? Romans 1. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. He's a servant of the Messiah, Jesus. Called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh. He's a descendant of David. Mary, Joseph, both of them from the lineage of David. And was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. How do we really know that Jesus Christ truly was the Son of God? Answer the resurrection. Bore witness to the truth that he had the power. I am the resurrection and the life. No man takes my life from me. I lay it down that I may take it up again. Jesus laid down his life. Jesus took it up again. No man can do that. He was declared to be the Son of God because he could take up his life. We can't even sustain our own life. We are dependent upon God. Jesus is the son of David. Jesus is the son of God. And it took a savior who was of the the lineage of David and who was the son of God in order to bring about our salvation. And Jesus demonstrates to the Pharisees that this is even found in Psalm 110. How is it possible that David refers to the Messiah as David's Lord? They were confounded. They didn't know what to say. They didn't know how to respond. It was crystal clear. David was calling the Messiah God. Says they dared not ask him another question. They didn't repent. They didn't change their plans. They continued on. But the truth was declared and it was known. You know, that's all we can do is declare the truth of God's word. What people do with that truth, it's up to them. But the truth is that Jesus is 
a descendant of David, and Jesus is the Son of God. And that's what enables him to be our Savior, to be our Deliverer, because he's not just man, he's also God in the flesh. Jesus asked his disciples a question. Jesus said to his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they said, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed that unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. People, if today, if you are asked the question, who is the Christ? If your answer is, in full belief, he is the Son of David, he is the Son of God, then how blessed you are because that hasn't been revealed to you simply by mankind. That hasn't been revealed to you simply by a sermon. That's been revealed to you by God, who has opened your eyes and given you that privilege to understand that Jesus is the Son of David and the Son of God. And without being the Son of God, he could not be the Messiah. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you that Jesus is both the Son of David and the Son of God. Thank you that as a result, he is able to take away our sins. Help us to place our faith and trust in him. You may have wondered why we sang the first song this morning.